0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission.
1: Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting Radiolamon.com. The sound of endurance racing
0: around the world.
1: This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network.
2: Hello everyone, Richard Crail here and welcome to On The Grid a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000 TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under we'd love to have you involved as well if you've got any questions about antipodean racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the racetalk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most. The voice of the Melbourne cricket
3: ground as well is Tony Shebeki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you for joining us for another big show. Lee Holdsworth to join us shortly. The truck assist racing driver. We'll find out uh, how he thinks he's been going over the last couple of weeks heading into the first race at Townsville. This weekend, Scott Pye has been doing extremely well for DeWalt Racing. A couple of podiums up in Darwin. We'll have a chat to Scott and we'll also speak to Supercars Guru. That, of course, is Mark Larkham. and driving. The main NTI car, or the truck assist car, of course, is Lee Holdsworth. After a uh, an indifferent Darwin, I would say, Lee, welcome on the show.
0: Thanks, Um I'm, I'm still continuing my journey around Australia at the moment, <laughs> now on my way to Townsville. So I'm in Gladstone at the moment. A um, little stopover with the family, so uh, we're breaking it up.
3: Oh, that's fantastic, mate.
0: How has it been for you the last four or five weeks on the road? Tough? uh oh, it, it's better than being in melbourne that's for sure at the moment yeah. but uh yeah like we we all understand why we're here and and you know we we want to keep the sport alive and um you know we you know it's a business and we we've got to knock out as many rounds as we can for the sponsors and everyone at, at the moment so um yeah it's it's very tough uh it's been tough being away from my family for 4 weeks um let alone you know some of the crews that have their families still in Melbourne um, for now they've been away from them for seven weeks so um, that's been really tough on them and yeah. uh, fortunately Rod um, the, the team boss Rod Nash has forked out some dough to to get everyone's families up um, in our crews so um, most of them are, are reuniting in a couple of weeks after the quarantine Excellent. period and um, and then they'll be able to see their kids and wives and girlfriends all again and it's really good and, and that's what really uh, we need to to keep this thing on the road for another uh, you know six or so weeks or whatever yeah. we've got ahead of us before Bathurst.
3: Yeah, exactly right. Mate, I said at the start there, an indifferent Darwin. Uh, week one was probably your poorest week so far this season. But version 2.0 for the whole Tickford outfit, including yourself, everything just seemed to really
0: lift. Yeah, not not quite to the level that I wanted it to. But um, uh, yeah, we, we really... Had a bit of a bogey uh, last uh, the, the the first Darwin weekend, and then we did make some really good changes for last weekend, Darwin 2.0, as you put it. Um, but uh, yeah, it didn't quite nail it. I think we we had opposite problems to what we had at the first round, so we probably went a bit overboard on on what we were searching for. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, we feel like we've we've probably found a few more tools. Um, in the set toolbox to, to work with. Now we've opened up a bit more of a window and, um, and I think now that, you know, we've got a week to, to sit down or not so so much me, but the engineers are now in Townsville um, looking over all the data and, um, and making sense of it all, because I think we, we got some good stuff out of that weekend, even though it didn't really uh, go to plan.
3: Four weeks of racing. Uh, How has it been or how's it going to be uh- it, an amazing, it, it must be an amazing thing for something that you you're definitely not used to
0: it's crazy um i i've never done a i don't think we've ever done a back-to-back round um maybe we have but um it's just it just seems so crazy when when we've been up in darwin we we went there to race that first weekend and then we were told we can't because there were guys that yeah. come in from brisbane and Darwin had declared Brisbane a hotspot, so then we were there for a week and a half before we actually started racing. But then the following weekend, um, the last weekend we were there, it was just it just felt like we'd been there forever, and it felt like we'd done four in a row already. Um, so mentally, it was it was really quite draining, I think, especially with the way that it's that quick fire sort of format now. Um, yeah. There's no time to to recover or, or rest or um, or reset. So it's just yeah. from one, one session to another. And um, I mean, it's quite enjoyable, but it goes, you know, at the blink of an eye. And, uh, and then you think on the, on the Sunday, you do a race and you think, geez, I've got to do another one of them in, a, in about another <laughs> hour. <laughs> um, but uh, look, it's, I, you know, the thing I, that I've seen is the, the second um, round of each, each event, um, at the same location has been a massive lift, um, in performance for each of the drivers and, yeah. and the crews, and, and how how close the field was for Darwin 2.0 was just unbelievable. I think it was the whole field, apart from um, 24th spot on the grid. I think that the uh, first 23 cars were separated by six and a half tenths in qualifying, yeah, it was and it's just unheard of up in Darwin. So, um you know, the, the gap at the first weekend, I think, was just over a second. So, you know, people pick up, um, you know, how to how tune to their cars and the whole field spread is just so much closer the second time.
3: The other thing that I would assume for the majority of the drivers, if not all the drivers, would have been the, the heat and that short break of trying to get that recovery between a race, especially on the Sunday where you only had that one hour, as you said, you really didn't have time to sort of get the core temperature down before it was back up again.
0: Yeah, we, we had the we had the ice bath working overtime. Um, so, you know, in between each session, we made sure we'd jump in and spend five minutes in there cooling down. But being there for a little bit of time before we actually got to the first event, I think probably helped us acclimatise. Yeah, okay. And um, uh, I did a lot of training up there in the heat, which, you know, if we're in Melbourne training for, for Darwin, it's very difficult to sort of train for those um, uh, those conditions. So. Um, in terms of preparation, fitness-wise, I think it was ideal to be training up there and, and having that time. and um, Yeah, but, but I felt that it was more so the mental side that was the hardest part. It wasn't yeah. so much the heat, even though we, we, we experienced it was 34 or 35 degrees on Sunday um, and uh, and and a lot hotter in the car, obviously, over 60 degrees in the car. So, um, But, yeah, handled it quite well, and I think everyone sort of did. I think everyone's probably in peak fitness at the moment because – doing these rounds one after the other, um, you know, you you keep up your race fitness. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. Definitely a final one, mate. Uh, Tire deck going to be pretty high in Townsville normally is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think it'll be better racing than Darwin. Um, Yeah. I like the, I like the mixed tire compound uh, events. I think it creates a bit of a mix up and a bit of unpredictability. Um, I think we're, there's a bit too much predictability at the moment when we run with the same tire. So, yep. um, yeah, but but Darwin certainly, you know, that's one round where uh, strategy plays a big part, not just not just the tire itself. So, um, you know, when you pit when there's a safety car, it all you know makes the uh, makes the result mixed up at the end if um, if you have some of those variables. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I think we've got pretty good tire life, so uh, we still need to find a little bit more and um and hopefully that'll put us in a position to fight for a podium good on you
3: mate wishing you all the best for this weekend and uh the team in the truck assist mustang thanks buddy good to speak to you lee Holdsworth. joining us here on the grid okay time to bring into the show as we do every week richard crowell for the racetalk.com hello crowsey are you well i'm excellent thank you mate excellent really looking forward to the show we just had a good chat To Lee Holdsworth, Uh, looking forward to our first guest with you here. Of course, he's the man of knowledge. Whenever we switch on our television coverage, we'll probably watch more television coverage of supercars this year than we ever have in our entire life. We speak, of course, of Mark Larkin, who joins us on the line now, live from his farm. Hello, Larko.
4: Hey, guys. Carlsy, Tony. Nice to uh, join up. I don't know about man of knowledge. Um, Simple bloke (laughs) from out on the farm is probably a better description, but I'm flattered. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> mate thanks for jumping on appreciate it just um you, you just got back from darwin as we talk on tuesday night what's your take out from the last two weeks of madness up in the top end um
4: well you know what i was you know as you'd probably expect we have a bit of a, a, a post-race debrief and uh i was having a really good chat to crompo this morning and i said um and, and you know as many people may not realize if you're watching the telecast they're they're in Sydney in a studio. We don't necessarily publicise that too much, but for all of the COVID reasons we're aware of, and then we're on the pit lane and, and trying to stay connected like that is pretty hard. But we were talking about, mm. you know, I, I tried to put my, I guess, my punter's cap on and, and i got to say, and, and, and get that perspective, and i got to say, I really enjoyed the racing on Sunday. I thought, you know, kind of the Scotty period is the Scotty period. But behind that, I mean, I'm, I'm just enjoying the, you know, I don't know if merge is the right word, Richard. It's more just the inclusion, I guess, of you know, of, of Team AD with Charlie Swarcole's boys and and Tickford being well and truly in the mix. You know, Brad Jones's team uh, consistently sticking it in there. You know, I, I I've got to say I'm really enjoying the racing at that level. Has been great. So, uh, um, and, and my great fear for the weekend running two events week to week, as we know, teams get very smart very quickly if you give them the same thing. Um, and I was worried how it might have played out, but I was pleasantly surprised. We got some really good racing.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And if anything, going back to backs allowed teams like BJR to bounce back and, and the team 18 thing is the the ultimate. I I, I actually thought of you and, and thought of what your reaction would be in pit lane with uh, Mark Winterbottom and Shane Van Gisbergen in that final race. Because I reckon that's the best exchange we've had all season so far, mate. What Just properly hard elbows out to ring car racing, which is just what everyone who watches the sport wants to
4: see. Mate, that's a, that's a really good pickup, Graalty. In, in fact, as soon as I finished the telecast, first thing I did, I walked right down the other pit lane. So I wanted to go and see the boys down there at team 18 and shake Charlie's hand. Cause I just love it. You know, from a team owner point of view um, and, and the Jones boys personify this, but Charlie's another one, you know, he puts his own money in there, loves the game. And I just love seeing when they get rewarded for that. Um, Mark Winterbottom, um, I mean, what describes that guy? Tenacity, um, endurance, uh, you know, it's it, it just so good to see him back in there. And I I said to both of them, you know, long, we've waited a long time, probably nearly a decade to see Mark Winterbottom taking it to Shane Van Gisbergen. And yeah. what a thoroughly enjoyable, you know, grudge match that was. The, the funny thing about it, and I hope the stewards and Bairdow aren't listening, because... I love the fact that they let it go. Uh, And and maybe we can talk about this another time, but one of the great attributes uh, of Craig Baird in that role uh, of driving standards uh, advisor uh, and and his influence on those around him from having been a race driver that was involved in a bit of kerfuffle occasionally, which is why he's the right guy for the job, Mm. um, is that if you go back through the record of stewards' hearings for the last couple of years since he's been in that role, the amount of times he's not play on, I think is brilliant. I think it's really good for the sport. Uh, and there was another example because it might, why I raised that is that if I was sitting around teaching a whole bunch of young race drivers, what a bump and run looks like, which is illegal. Um, yes. Couldn't find a better example than that.
5: <laughs> so, mm, yeah. so that's yeah. the funny
4: bit, but, but it's kind of cool. Cause it was, it was let go. You know, Gizzy was doing a little bit of defending, maybe over-defending. Um, I don't think it was too bad. Um, because you're defending doesn't entitle you the right to bump and run. So a little bit naughty. But the fact that Shane then at the next corner didn't choose to try and take him out or bump into him was, I think, a big message that he accepted what happened because he is a racer uh, and they raced on. So I say tick, tick and tick. The other
3: thing from that, uh, Mark, is the fact that I think what I've actually loved is the speed of the decisions as well. We've had five-second and 15-second penalties just handed out within a minute of the incident. So everyone actually knows where they stand.
4: Yeah, and uh, look, I'm, I can tell you, Beto's already tied me up at Darwin. It's, it's particularly difficult. He doesn't have all the Hawkeye tools that he usually have uh, and and camera angles and bits and pieces. So he's, he's a little bit under-equipped and... Uh, full credit they knew uh time ago one of the big things for this sport just like when we watch a football game is the ability to make a decision wherever possible within the game uh the fans want to see the result at the end of it so uh you know we all know how ugly that bassus was in, incident was a few years ago um so you know I, I, you know again full marks i think we're really starting to get that era of the sport right and just on topic i mean uh pit lane drive-throughs are slowly becoming a thing of the past. And, you know, I often say to people, for listeners that, you know, watch other sport is that, you know, when, when you get a pit lane drive-through penalty in our sport, and let's say back in the day it was for a jump start where you gained 200 millimetres of advantage and maybe picked up one yeah. position, by driving through the pit lane, it's the equivalent of grabbing... Uh, an AFL side at three-quarter time, put him in the dressing shed and say, don't come out again. Because your day's over, mm. you're gone. So, you know, the the, the punishment's got to fit the crime and the sport is well and truly headed down that route. So that's pleasing.
3: There's no doubt about that. I think also the, the sport is well and truly heading down the route of getting some personalities back into it as well. I think one thing that we've seen out of this year, more so than any other years in recent future, is that we're actually seeing guys speak their mind we get, we're we seeing a little bit of rivalry coming back into it the whole thing that was the the prime focus of the sport back in the 90s and the 2000s when you were banging around in these things is starting to come back in and it's really nice
4: it's a, it's a really good pickup, tony um can i say this weighs heavily on a lot of us that endlessly talk around you know uh, around and about the sport and trying to improve it and you guys are part of that group, I know. Richard's always got good ideas. Um, as is evidenced by the website mate, it's always a cracker. Um oh, thanks. the the the, the what, there's a couple of things going on here isn't there. So just to go back to even in my own era, so there was I reckon there was a lot more outspoken folk back then because yeah. um, and Larry Perkins, Glenn Seaton, Mark Larkham, Brad Jones Krompo, although he wasn't a team owner, he managed a team. So We're all team owners, so we had equity in the sport. Therefore, your views on every matter were more meaningful and more profound, and you spoke them up. Now, as time marched on, and I moved away from being a team owner driver to just a team owner, then I employed drivers. In those drivers' contracts, obviously, started to emerge things around disrepute and bringing the team or sponsors into disrepute, because I wanted to you know, protect those. So as we've gone 20 years forward and more PC and disrepute and all the who-ha that goes on in the world, more media coverage, much more scrutiny of all of that in social media, we've very much dulled down the voices. And as I think you've just alerted, we very much need to turn the volume back up. Now, at the same time that all of that's happened, we've now not yet lost, but we are, it's just factual. We are in the process of potentially losing the very foundation upon which this has been built, which has been Ford versus Holden and all the rivalry that goes on, not just at the track or track side, but also in the hardware stores, the work sites, the supermarkets of Australia is going to be dulled down. Now that's just a fact of life we're going to deal with. So that says to me as a sport, we need to be pretty rapidly thinking about how we ramp up that same amount of vigor vigour and rivalry between combatants, and, and 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 sorry to harp on about it, but I think this is a really important point you've raised here. Um, so so how do we invigorate heroes and villains? How do we invigorate a little bit of intensity uh, between teams? Because remember this with with footballers, for example. I mean, I don't know, Krasi, how, how many are in an AFL code if you include reserves? Six hundred players? Five hundred? Six hundred? Oh. I don't know. What for
2: the for the entire competition? Yeah, it's about 720
4: order. actually in total. Yeah, yep. There you go, Tony. You go. Sorry, I should have asked you the question in the first place, obviously, shouldn't I? So, there you go. That, so, we've got 24 drivers, right? Now, mm. we typically, like F1 or any premium motorsport category in the world, change one or two drivers per year at best on average. So, the same 23, 24 drivers stay at the same hotels, travel in the same aircraft, buddy up on the pit lane, go here and there everywhere. So I reckon it becomes more difficult to, you know, strong word, but to hate someone, to really dislike yeah. them, because you're going to be in an awkward lot of situations with them an awful lot of the time. Um, so, so I think, that, you know, I, I don't have the answer to how you deal with that, but it's just a reality. But the other one, you know, what I, would, what I think a good thing for the sport to be doing maybe right now is we need to drag everyone into a room team owners, the key sponsors, the drivers at the same time and the media, the key media people and talk about strategies to invigorate exactly what you just alerted to, Tony. How do we, how do we get a little bit of, you know, biff and tuck and a bit of, you know, not bad language, but, you know, just, just sometimes a bit less love, a little bit of antagonization and all that stuff that we kind of love that'll get some column inches and get some interest going in the sport, but doing, doing it in such a way that, uh, you know, that, that sponsors are almost giving a little bit of consent that they're not going to, you know, let's ease off on the disrepute course let yeah. let's, let's, let's yeah. not step over the line, but geez, let's go up to it a bit more.
2: Mm. Yeah. I, like I, I... I thought a great, uh, almost an example of that was Chaz and Nick in uh, the the first race on Sunday uh, last weekend, Like, when they were bashing into each other and they had a lap and a half of side-by-side brilliant racing and ultimately Chaz caught Nick in the bumper and turned him at turn one and they had a bit of it, said their feelings afterwards. It was great entertainment and then at the end of the day, they're like, oh, we've all moved on but while it was happening, it was pretty intense and, and everyone sort of said their feelings. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on with you, though, Mark, was your your role with young drivers, and this isn't something you ever talk about, so I'm putting you on the spot here, but you've had a, a lot of involvement with several young drivers in our sport in in helping their careers, in suggesting ideas of where they go, what they do, and I know one of those was Anton Deeper Pasquale. You must have been stoked... A week ago, when he grabbed his first supercar win after seventy odd starts, and finally got that first win, showcasing all that talent that everyone that's followed his junior career knows that he's got.
4: Yeah, thanks, crazy. Uh, appreciate that, mate. Yeah, and look, and, and as you know, Paul Morris has had a lot to do with his career in the mm. in the more recent time. So, uh, uh, you know, nothing I did, mate. The guy is a talent. I just um, was looking to develop a you know a, a small academy to work with some some drivers that I thought had some potential. And I eyeballed Anton, I think it was back in 2011 or 12, um, mid-year Formula Ford. He'd done really well in state championship. He stepped up at the end of that year and did a couple of national rounds, really, really showed how good he was. Um, had a couple of chats to him. He was still you know, barely in his school uniform and it just, just was clear that this kid had the, the stuff that it took. And, and by that meant he had self-confidence at that age and it was really obvious, and, and, and whether this is right or wrong, and I spoke at length to his parents about this, but he was not gearing himself for a career in anything else in his life other than being a race driver. And that's the level of commitment I think you've got to see. Now, that can all go pear-shaped if you don't cut it, because I think Anto would make a terrible superannuation salesman. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but he's just committed. He just never saw it as anything else. So, so yeah, I, I got very close with him in the early parts of his career and um, it was you know and it's not just on track yeah there was a lot of on track and data and all that sort of stuff but there's so many facets that that any young race driver needs to understand and and, and look and if I'm honest we still lack something like this in this country and for me it was just a bit unfortunate as I was putting my thing together and it was getting momentum it was exactly the same time Camp were doing the Formula 4 thing and launching all of that so they were obviously trying to grab all the Uh, the young aspirants and feed them into their system, which is that's absolutely appropriate and fine. And that was probably bad timing for me to try and go, you know, almost head to head with them on on an academy level. Um, And and in hindsight, they're sort of now, we don't really have much at all. And, you know, you think about what any young aspirant needs. and, And when I work with even, you know, drivers in and talk to drivers and parents now, they're often blind to the, raft of things that you need to understand to succeed at this level because it's yeah. it's not just racecraft. it's ability to put yourself around good people it's the commercial acumen it's the communication ability um, it's the marketing savvy it's your own brand it's how to manage your social media account it's efficient fitness your mental aptitude It's so many things to succeed and you know who's the guy at the top of our tree at the moment Scott McLaughlin does he do mm. all of those things really well you better believe it. You know, yeah. Maybe yeah. fitness was one thing over the years that we was lacking a little bit in. Bang, it's on the money. And let me say this to you, application. So I leave Darwin the other night, right? And this is to take nothing away from any of the drivers and some of them may, may not have seen. But an hour and a half after the event, most of them, as you would be, were in their thongs, packing up, cleaned up, going or gone. As I walk out, last tent right up the back behind the Shell V-Power truck with two blokes sitting away from the sight of anybody, Scott McLaughlin and Ludo. Yeah. Still in a debrief, a really close one-on-one alone debrief about their weekend. Says it all.
0: Yeah, yeah it, it does.
2: does. I think the other the other interesting thing, Larko, was that he was up at three the next morning while some were probably still staggering back from the nightclub um, on the radio hookup with Team Penske following their Indy 500 campaign, and, and he's spoken about that in the media since. So, already thinking ahead to what's next and being tuned in with that program,
4: which shows his level of commitment. Um, th- my next question... Hang on, Grazi, let I'll, me pull I'll, you up on there. Did I hear something about shouting the bar and were you hanging around like a bad smell because I knew that was on? Well, no. I,
2: I was on Twitter going, hang on a minute. It's Scotty said on the broadcast, I think it was it to you or AJ said, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and shout the bar tonight. And I was like, well, that in Darwin, that's a pretty expensive
4: proposition, <laughs> right? Oh, I, thought, I thought you'd be up there in a flash, mate. Free oh
2: mate it's the first darwin i've missed in a decade and i missed it it was terrible but i i would have been there in a heartbeat been, mate you know racing car drivers and team owners they're the last people to get their wallets out at the bar so 100 um, i would have been there to take advantage of that um my next question i'll keep it really short because we don't want to keep you too long mate we're really appreciative of your time you touched on the the formula four thing that's now gone Australia's back in a vacuum now as far as young driver development from a, a category point of view really quick. What do we do? What, what, what's the next stage for Australia to, to keep pulling these young guns and do what Formula Ford did so well for so long?
4: Well, I, I still think the answer lays there, mate, and I'll be as brief as possible. Mm. So I think Formula Ford still is it um, because you can jump out of, you know, and I say to anyone that is a genuine aspirant, you, you don't, not to, I shouldn't say don't do senior karting, but if you're in senior karting, you're waiting too long. If you succeed or successful at junior karting, state-level Formula Ford, you'll do for less than what you're spending on your karting with a good team. That'll get you a CAMS licence and into the system and onto tarmac. From there, national-level Formula Ford. And because we've had so many young people at Formula Ford level succeed over the years and go on with their careers, and there's a reason for that. To take nothing away from Formula Four. I think it was suitable for Europe and European-type categories. For Australia, the beautiful thing about a Formula Ford, low horsepower, right? So you can't drive off a corner. There's two ways to get around a corner. You either set your car up correctly or you use driving technique or a combination of the both. So you learn both things. The great thing about a Formula Ford, springs, cambers, casters, roll bars, front and rear, rake, squat, dive all of the geometry elements around a race car and how to use the race car are there and adjustable. So you learn, you learn, you learn. And you're at a young age when you're like a sponge and you take it all win in. Now, if you give that same car no adjustment or very little adjustment, a slick tyre, and aerodynamic downforce to mask up some of those issues, that's all very well if you're about to step out of that into European uh, Renault Formula 2 or F3 or whatever it might be if you're going to step out into whatever it is in this country, which 99.99999% of the people are, because for me, if you want a European or an F1 type assault, you need to be on your ass, on your bike and gone early in your career, like after cars, get out of Europe mm-hmm. like Danny Ricardo did. That's what you got to do. So, um, so Formula Ford is the right formula. It's affordable. And what I like about the affordability of it from the state level, Kralsey, is that at the same time you're learning about shock springs and how to carry speed and momentum in a corner without horsepower to drive off a corner you're also learning the same level of growth on a similar trajectory in the commercial sector so you know 40 grand 50 grand 80 grand 120 grand 150 it's not an instant jump to 250 grand so you learn to get you know a couple of free sets of tyres off your local T-Mart, how to get free fuel off your local free supply, how to do a contra deal with someone to get a few bucks here. Your mum and dad can chip in a bit of money if they want it. You know what I mean? So you learn the growth of yeah. the commercial sponsorship side in concert with the learnings of how to drive and prepare your race car. So, mate, I'm a big fan. And then I think the bigger question is, what fills the void between Formula Ford And supercar. We're starting to fill some of those holes now. Probably a little bit more work to do. So that's my view on it. It
3: all makes too much sense, Larko.
4: uh, (laughs) It'll it'll
3: happen one day. Mate, a final one from me. We've had two weeks of uh, driving up in Darwin. Two weeks coming up in Townsville. Four weeks straight of racing supercars. Guys have never done it before. What are they going to be like when we get to uh, the first week of September and the
4: final racing of this four-week stint? Most of these bikes will be spent... They will be, you know, and let's just use this quick opportunity to acknowledge the reason that all of us are in employee at the moment around our sport is because we manage to keep putting on events and putting those events to air. And that's, um, and, and Tony, I know you're asking about drivers, but I just want to point it at, the, well, no, no, maybe no, you is. are talking about the teams as well. Yeah, yeah, the, the teams, because there's a lot of those Victorian teams at the moment that are keeping all of us in a job because those poor buggers, as we know, They headed off to Sydney Motorsport Park a week out before that first event, mid June or whatever it was, uh, and they're not going to see their families until the end of uh, mid October. The sacrifice is enormous, but because at the same time we've got these new, apart from the data restricted rules and the two pit gun, uh, two guns on the pit lane, and the two guys on pit lane, um, we've also got the the eleven performance people uh, across two cars rule now in play. So it's a, it's com, kind of a, and being up there for each of the weekends, it's, it's a tighter knit group of people. And, and even I know myself, there's a few more human discussions going on. Um, mm. and, and I think that's kind of cool and, and spirits, they are quite high. I think the intensity of racing, Tony is keeping everyone distracted. And yeah. I can tell you if that intensive racing wasn't there, I reckon we would have a problem because it is tough. It's really tough on those guys. A lot of them have got young families, but the sheer intensity of racing, they are races. Um, and you you wouldn't pick it on a race weekend. But, but seriously, mate, my my heart and thanks goes out to all of them because they're keeping me in a job. Yeah, no, exactly right. And,
3: yeah. and to me, it's the reason why we have to finish at Bathurst because otherwise yeah. they just would have been on the road for way too long. And I can't see it going past that.
4: Got to get them home, mate. Got to get them home. And and, and to his great credit, Sean, and Supercars know that. and And they'll do... Uh, whatever they can to, uh, to get them home straight after that. So, uh, you know, and that's, a, that's a, decent, a, a decent old stint that a lot of them, you know, they just won't get that time back with their with their family. So, mate, I, I, I genuinely do dip... And, and there's some others in amongst that, you know, even my mate, my commentary mate Skater, which a lot of people don't realise this. so he had to bail out as well, because he's Victorian. He's been up mm. in New South Wales, away from his two little girls yeah. and his boy, uh, Mitch down there in Victoria, and his wife, who works down in Victoria, um... As a sacrifice, so we can do the commentary for the supercars i mean and that's that's not three weeks that's months yeah, and, that, uh, yeah. uh, seriously, i i i I actually have guilt and i think um I'm fortunate enough to live in queensland, so I've been able to go in and out of the venue so I'm flying in and out but I don't for a minute i like many of us and i and I think the fans the same i hope don't miss for a minute the the sacrifice these people are making um, to, to, to bring the racing to our tellies each weekend So um, first class effort by everyone concerned Really is
3: Yeah, great stuff, Larco Thank you so much for your time, mate Really do appreciate it And hopefully we can do it again soon
4: Always happy for a chat, boys You keep the wheels going around Well done Thank you, Mark Thanks, Mark Larkham
3: joining us here on the grid It's all pretty good out there at uh, Team 18 and DeWalt Racing And Scott Pye joins us for a chat today. Scott Hey, how are we, guys? Excellent, thank you, mate. It has been a couple of weeks, hasn't it, for you guys?
1: Yeah, it has. It really has. It's been um, even the the whole two week period in Darwin. I mean, both both weekends for us were pretty successful. I think, you know, getting my first podium was was nice with the team uh, in the first of the the double header. But um, to back it up, you know, I think we felt in the first first event there that we had good car speed. But uh, to back it up then on on the weekend with the standard tie format was was really good, and it's it's you know given everyone a real boost in confidence.
2: So three podiums in six races is a pretty good strike rate, mate, especially for Team 18 who have been creeping up on it for a long time but hadn't quite got there yet. So from a team perspective, very satisfying. But the thing that grabbed me, Scotty, was the way you tuned it week to week. And when you rolled into Sunday last weekend, your race pace in that second race, especially when you stayed out long and I was watching the guys who had put new tyres on in their pit stops early and you were only two to three tenths a lap slower than they were, as they were blazing through the field. So your race pace was really exceptional, especially that second week around.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, the first, the very first weekend um, on the soft tire in the race where we got the podium, we realised that the tire deg was really low, and uh, and then we we obviously. Um, well, that weekend we just didn't quite have the qualifying speed. So even though we had used the soft tire, we still didn't maximize really what we could have done on the tires we had left. I mean, Anton qualified really well. Um, and he used two sets of softs in the first day. We only used the one. So there was no real excuse for us on the first weekend, not to um, come out on Sunday and do a good job. I wasn't really using the tires as, as our excuse. I think we just needed to focus on our qualifying car for the second weekend and, and improve that. And, um, and I think we did that. I think in our in the first weekend there in Darwin, our race pace um, we weren't really able to show, but it was actually very good. And I come off the back of that weekend feeling pretty confident about it. Uh, but then, you know, during the week, we we spent a lot of time on on um, things we needed to improve on, what our strengths were. Really, actually, analysing that and making sure that when we came out, we we had no real um, false idea of where we stood. We had a, a pretty realistic look at, outlook on things and. Um, and then even uh, – so Saturday's race, I overheated the clutch um, in the second of the two Darwins and, uh, and stalled. And then to come back through, I think we finished 13th. Yep. So, you know, with no safety car and be five seconds off the back of last place, um, I mean, the safety car had to, had to uh, stop not to pass me on the start line. That's how bad it was. So to come back through to 13th there with no real help showed our car speed. Um, and there's a few people that did notice that. Like I got some texts from – other drivers, Shane being one of those, um, and obviously they can see our data and everything, and, and he saw what our pace was like on the Saturday, and then we just backed that up on Sunday. Um, the thing that probably impressed me most um, with with Phil and the and the crew is the first race on Sunday was good. You know, our car speed was was okay. I think it was probably pretty strong, but then for the final race, we knew we were probably only being realistic we were probably fourth fastest um in that in that third race in the second race in darwin and for the third we decided to try again and, and try and break into that um top two or three pace and i think we did that you know we made some big changes for that final race on sunday um and if if not for nick perkatt um not not any disrespect to him his pace was very good mm-hmm. and deservedly on the podium but i think if i could have you know qualified higher than eighth um, we would have been a lot closer to Scotty Mack at the end of the race. Um, I think within within four or five seconds of him would have been um, a big improvement rather than 14 where we finished behind him
3: Strategy obviously plays a big part in these weekends as well. And uh, it was great to see the strategy you guys played in that first race on Sunday to stay out longer. And that kept you in a fantastic position. Frosty also did the same in the second race. He became fourth. And I'm just wondering, were you surprised not to see other teams try your strategy more so in that third race because everyone still seemed to go for those early stops rather than actually roll the dice and see how they go
1: no not really i mean the fastest way is split split it down the middle Um, but it's really just depends on traffic and for us um i went long in the first race on saturday um where we finished 12th i mean saturday was probably that was probably um as strong or or not stronger than the second race. Everyone obviously saw me in the second race, get the podium and and have strong race pace. But our first race was probably for me, the strongest um, for the weekend other than the third. Um, So yeah, long, long works well, um, providing the clean air appears in front of you. Um, But then in the last race, I went short um, and we actually, you know, we jumped the guys that ran long. Um, So I think with us, we had our race pace that was there and it meant, either strategy worked for us so you know frosty went long in the in the last race um and we actually still jumped in by going short so i think it just showed our our race pace like for me on car 20 particularly was it really um yeah it was, it was impressive i think our car was genuinely very good so um it's unusual to have everything go your way and be able to snag um you know multiple podiums in a weekend let alone two in a day but um i was really proud of everyone to be able to capitalize on having a quick car um, is a really satisfying feeling because there's plenty of times you come away from a weekend where you just, you know, you could have got a trophy and you didn't quite execute on all the levels, but everyone did, did an amazing job on the weekend.
2: Uh, there was a lot made this year, Scott, about Team 18 expanding out to a second car and you joining that team. And we spoke in the pre-season about the potential for having two cars, yeah. it's obviously better than one. Um, it, it seems like that's paying off. And you mentioned Phil and from an engineering standpoint, the team's, really got itself together so clearly there's something building there as this season develops as crazy a year as it is there's something building there with the three of you guys and, and everyone in that team working together and developing as you go along
1: yeah exactly and you know having a fast teammate like frosty really pushes me to lift as well and um you know i think uh we we saw that even on the weekend with i qualified third in the first race um he was fifth and then he straight away bounced back with a third and bumped, bumped me in the second one. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's exactly what you want. You need both of us to be pushing each other. Um, and uh, and that's, what's going to make us lift the team as well. I think, you know, as drivers, our expectations of ourselves are, are really high. We're very self-critical, I think. Um, and, uh, and yeah, when I've got someone like, like Mark, who's really quick and uh, you know, just brings out the best in me as well. And then in the races, I mean the strategy and everything has been, something we've worked on a fair bit in the last few rounds and you know for me with phil we've only done a few rounds together and we're only just starting to speak the same language but one of the huge benefits i think came out of um our period in Darwin was the fact that myself and phil were in the same apartment together yeah um and we talk a lot about um understanding you know the, the driver and engineer relationship is so important um drivers and engineers speak very different languages Phil's very theoretical i'm a lot more practical but you know, spending time together away from the track um, was just as important as our time at the track, you know, and making sure that um, we really are speaking the same language. And I think that's also where we saw the improvement in the second weekend as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's crazy. For me, being in a new team, the first part of the year was really disjointed and sort of uh, disrupted, sorry. Mm. Um, but now it means we're on the road together and, and you're getting to know each other at a whole not- another level. And, um, yeah, the relationships are extremely strong. And for me to be this comfortable into a new team so early even though it's, it's um, eight months in it feels like it's very early because we've only done five events but yeah this time on the road has been for me I've only seen positives in terms of our relationships
2: yeah I, I don't think you're the only one in pit lane who feels that either I, I think there's a lot of relationships teams broadly but driver engineer mm-hmm. as well that'll come out of this corona thing actually stronger than they may have had it been a, a regular season um, you're in triple eight gear there's, there's a well publicized you know, data sharing between all the triple eight cars mm-hmm. and that's obviously a huge advantage to you, but it must be nice to knock the mothership off like you did on the weekend as well. And, and both of your cars finished in front of both of theirs in race 17.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, um, I don't really think about that or I haven't, I haven't said that at all because, you know, at the end of the day, like triple eight have consistently been at the front. Um, and yeah it's, it's great to, to knock them off and I definitely look at them as um, you know you always look at your teammate and what he's doing in the same equipment and we do the same with AAA they've effectively got the same gear um, so you know we're not we don't make excuses but um, you know it's always great when they're fast as well because that again lifts up us to another level we get to see what they're doing with data and things mm. um, but on the weekend for sure everyone should take um, a lot of pride in, in our performance um, you know it didn't doesn't come easy and we know that even this weekend going into Townsville now uh, we've got to have the same approach and mentality to what we've had all year and that's to work really hard prepare well and uh, and come out and try and be stronger than we were last weekend because for sure everyone else bounces back and, and it, you know even day-to-day improves so yeah it's great to um, for me that the coolest thing was actually um, holding Shane off on the Sunday yeah. uh, race too considering he beat me in the first race on Sunday so um, you know, just being mates and not being able to get close enough to have a lunge at him on the last corner of the last lap was a little frustrating. And then when I saw that he was behind me in, in the final race, um, I got to get one back on him. So that was cool.
3: A bloke like Charlie uh, has been around for a while and been doing, it well, Well, would say pretty tough for the last few years in regards to the way his team's been performing. It must be a, a real uh, good feeling as well for you guys to be turning it on and watching him smile throughout the weekend.
1: Hundred percent. I'm so happy for Charlie. This year has been challenging for so many people, and and um, you know, obviously, we need to be resilient at the moment. And Charlie is, you know, one of the challenges he's been faced with, which is probably one of the minor ones though, is is not being able to come to the track. Um, and I know that that's, you know, it's hard. I mean, he's so passionate about the sport, and then not being able to come and watch us in person has been difficult. And um, the first event he was able to come to was the first Darwin, which is where we got our trophy on the Saturday. So. Um, I said, no matter what, we're going to somehow find a way to make sure you are at every single event now because um, you know it's it's important for us to have him there. Um, he shows an amazing, he's just an amazing leader um, and work ethic, and especially while we're away on the road, it's important to um, to have him with us and and um, you know motivate the crew as well. But yeah, he's been he's been a massive um, lover of this sport and been involved for a very long time. He's been very successful in the sport as well with obviously James Courtney's championship win being Charlie's license there. Um, so he knows what he's doing and he knows how to put together a good team. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy for him that he's finally starting to get um, some results that he, he deserves. And, you know, for me and Frosty on the weekend, we had such a solid weekend as a team um, in terms of points. So um, we just want to keep doing that. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, just happy for him. Cool. that He's back at the track now. And even spending time with him in Darwin, team dinners and things like that. It's actually nice to have have our full family back together again. And I can see that that's how he thinks of his team as well. We're you know one big family, so it's cool to have have him on the road with us now. Nice,
2: Scotty. Like many others in the paddock, you've, you've got some side hustles going, and you've got a media business that runs quite successfully that you look after. I suppose I was going to ask how difficult it's been juggling the two of them, but everything's so remote these days that if a media business can't work remotely, nothing can, but um, I've had the good fortune to work with you and Benny um, on Porsche Carrera cup and Porsche motorsport this year, which has been terrific. But, but how's that going and how has the process been in making sure you've still got that business going while you focus on the business of being a race car driver?
1: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Benny and, and so Ben is a, a, um, young guy who works for me and he's been um, unreal during this whole period, obviously with me having to hit the road with only a couple of hours notice, we had a quick briefing as to what um, he was going to have in store for him in the immediate future. And, and really for me, I don't know when I'm going to be back in Melbourne, I'm assuming end of October. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's been holding down the fort there, but like you said, I'm able to work remotely anyway. So any of the uh, admin side of things um, I'm able to still do and, um, in terms of servicing clients and things Ben's doing down in Melbourne. So, um, you know, for me, something I learned through motorsport has been. Um, sorry, guys, is that still there? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. No, we are. Yep. Yeah. Um, sorry. So through motorsport, one thing for me was, you know, you learn how to deal with partners and sponsors and things like that, and that's something I really enjoy. I love that side of of you know the motorsport business for myself, and that's. Um, what I really, I guess that's, that's what I think I value, I add value to in, in one night media is, is dealing with the clients and finding new, new business um, for one night media. Um, and then when you've got someone great, like Benny, who's awesome at executing, it's really nice to um, trust him and, and um, you know, allow him to do what he does best. So yeah, we obviously work with you a lot, Krausey. And um, you know, I think this year has made a lot of businesses adapt and, and probably uh, lean up on a few things um, for me. I've kind of always ran one nine media in that way The you know, low, low um, stress and, and overheads and things for me has always been something that um, I've been aware of because, you know, going, growing up in motorsport, we realized, um, you know, things don't always last forever so i don't i definitely don't overcapitalize. um but yeah i'm, I'm loving having still that separation mm. getting home seeing some of the work that benny's done um, the clients we're working with now as well we've been really fortunate that uh, we haven't lost any any clients we've actually if anything grown um in this period which has been really nice um but again that's just you know part of all these relationships and and things we've built um over the, the last few years. So yeah, one nine has been a massive asset for me. It, it's uh, it takes the pressure off racing as well. There's no real stress there and um, I'm able to go away racing um, and uh, and still have that going in the background. So that's no, been, been very nice. On
2: a associated note. And you talk about brand building. I, I thought mm-hmm. you and E-Series was huge um, and were you surprised at the level of following you gained over the course of that 10 week stretch when the E-Series was happening, you did your post-race Twitch debriefs and SVG yep. jumped on and a couple of others that became hugely popular from nowhere. And it was amazing in 10 weeks how a lot of personalities yep. really developed in the paddock, but did you personally get a lot out of that? Cause it looked like you put a lot into that whole process as well.
1: Yeah. And I, I really enjoy, like I, I find all of, uh, all of that stuff really creative as well it's almost an outlet for me mm-hmm. and um yeah i i don't know I, I don't like not being busy either so i really enjoy even the even the make, making of um my twitch uh for uh, you know i made chains as well the the assets that he had on his twitch going and i enjoy all of that stuff and um i didn't really think of it too much as work that went into it either it was just kind of fun and we were put in a situation where we weren't going away racing anymore and, and that became, that was effectively my job. So I took it on as, um, as professional as I would with anything else. And um, I had a strategy with how I wanted to grow my following on Twitch straight away. I, I looked into it and researched it a lot um, before I launched into it, you know, how to make it work, how to interact with the fans, how to be better than I guess um, some other people that were doing it and I also found some people that you know were my favourites like Lando Norris who's yeah. extremely creative and, and does an amazing job online as well and um, yeah I just I enjoyed it to be honest I just had a really good time with it. the fans were unreal as well like I probably have a whole new appreciation for that I had some strict rules on my Twitch as well there was no you know I don't to be honest I don't care who your favourite driver is um, you know we're, we're just putting on a show and having some fun especially when it was on Twitch you know doing doing the E-series it's not um the E-Series isn't my job. I'm not a professional gamer or anything like that. So I just wanted everyone to come together as a community, have a good time watching some racing while times were tough. And, uh, and yeah, that's exactly what I got out of it. It was so much fun. The fans were really supportive. Um, we even ran some merchandise. as a yes. bit of a joke off of um, – I was called the Outlap King because I was so bad on the simulator. Yeah. I couldn't do anything <laughs> but an Outlap until I crashed. Um, so, yeah, I had a really good time. And, um, you know, we even had Alex Albon, Lando join me. Um, you know Charles Leclerc came on obviously with Shane um, Stevie J it was a you know a bunch of good people that um, we had come on and we had a really good laugh with it and then I even ventured into the World Rally Cross so yeah that was unreal getting invited to uh, to do that was cool um but for me I just yeah I, I think my following did grow um and on that there was you know I ran mine with the webcam exactly as I am I didn't pretend to be anything I'm not um, even my sister had a go at me a couple of times about losing my temper in front of my niece and nephew online. So, um, you know, people just saw me as I am and it might have maybe, you know, uncovered, I guess. yeah, it, it probably shows that sometimes we're portrayed a certain way by the media and it might not be exactly who we are. Yeah.
3: Final one for you, Scotty. We thank you for your time today. Uh, two weeks racing down, two weeks to go. How are you feeling? And uh, what was life like
1: in Darwin for a three-week stint? It was amazing. Um, I mean, I love it up there. Training was easy. The weather's nice. And then um, driving race cars on race weekends was good. We also even had some fans out there. So um, yeah, absolutely nothing to complain about up there. And uh, yeah, I think Townsville as well, equally beautiful place. So um, nice to be on the same side of the country as home. Um, You know, I am, I am really, you know, I miss home, uh, but I'm so grateful we're away doing what we're doing and, you know, I feel for our, our teams, but um you know hopefully we can continue to get them some nice results and just things to smile about doesn't necessarily have to be always a trophy but some uh you know nice consistent weekends um but yeah the time on the road has been good with getting to know everyone um but yeah thinking of everyone back home and i think that for our crew members especially it's been that you know that's been the toughest thing facetime can you know can only substitute so much so I'm excited for those guys to get home and let's hope it's, um, you know, a successful year that they can, you know, come off the back of and, and head home with.
2: Yeah. And we had Mark Larkham on just before you, mate, and he echoed exactly the same thoughts uh, really quickly on, onto Townsville itself, um, soft tires back again for another yeah. weekend. Um, similar sort of rules, very different style of racetrack though. With with we think much higher deck than what we saw in Darwin. So it's just going to be another sort of curveball pitched at the field, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, talk about how important prep is and everything and what we've been focusing on. And already we're seeing like the, the longest stint we're able to really find is around 28 laps on a set of tires. So, you know, we're looking at 39 laps in the weekend. So it'd be interesting to see what people do, whether the two tires or four is going to be uh, a must, um, how long you go, um, whether you go short long, you know, you guys mentioned what we did on the weekend um, by going long. It's going to be, um, you know, that, that first race, there could be someone that really uncovers um, the the format for the rest of the weekend, the strategy for the rest of the weekend, because uh, yeah, if someone gets it right straight away, you're gonna, you know, everyone will cotton on. So yeah. um, our prep right now is extremely important, so that we can try and ensure we're the ones that get it right first crack. Um, but yeah, the the tire format, uh, there's not going to be enough tires to do for in every race, so there's definitely going to be, um, you know, a mix and match, and and uh, yeah, I think the high deg is uh, is great for for the fans back home too. There you go.
3: Yeah, it certainly is. Scotty, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Really appreciate it. And uh, really uh, proud of what you guys have achieved uh, at Team 18 this year, just onwards and upwards, which is fantastic. Let's hope that continues to show for the remainder of 2020 and beyond.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
3: Scott Pye joining us here on The Grid. Time to bring in our third wheel for our chat segment. He was on with us last week. And I don't know why we've got him again this week, but (laughs) apparently... I
2: do. I can tell you this. Breaking news. So Dale Rogers, now Dale is how would we phrase this boy? The most experienced member of the on the grid team, I think, and he's not here, so we'll throw him under the bus. But of all things to miss a, the podcast show recording for is parent teacher interviews. Yep, well, he does online anyway. So
3: kids have to go to
2: school. Yeah, I, well, exactly right. He's, he's
5: homeschooling them, and uh, he might yes. be just having a stern word with himself, <laughs> so telling him the teacher to lift
2: a bit. <laughs> now, kids, you've been giving me too much grief lately. Yeah, well, your maths was rubbish yesterday.
3: <laughs> Mark, it is an absolute oh, pleasure, evening. though, to have you on.
5: Oh, look, it's it's great to be back. Um, third wheel, absolutely, I feel mm. it, too. Uh, it feels a bit NASCAR, doesn't it? Two weekends down, two weekends to go, maybe more to come after that. Who knows? Wild times we're living in. Uh, Obviously, everyone's trying to figure out the logistics of getting themselves from Darwin to Townsville, possibly by Brisbane, which may be a hotspot or not, which is going to cause all sorts of tears because I think a whole heap of people have come back to South East Queensland, which is allegedly a hotspot. So that's just going to be another saga trying to get everyone back up to Townsville. So wait and see. I I love it. I think it'll be a great little uh, chapter to the book. Of 2020 supercars. It's a big old book.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so you're off to Townsville, aren't you, to do some photography for NTI? Oh, I don't think so. (laughs) Who
5: knows? I thought you were. Oh, who knows? Who cares? I might go to QR, there's a state round on. That looks Mm. like fun, doesn't it? Unless they don't let me into Ipswich, I mean. Well.
3: Oh, Oh, they'll let you in, they just (laughs) won't let you out. Oh,
5: lordy. Oh, well. (laughs)
2: Had a good yeah, run. It's it's uh yeah, funny old times. Funny old times. The the Brisbane hotspot that isn't a hot spot, but it's caution, according to the I, Premier. I, I, I would have thought locking down a jail would have been easy. Yes, yes.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that thirty of the inmates got out and spread Lurgy all over the place? Oh. In the
2: you had one job department, locking down a correctional facility you'd think would be up there with a reasonably easy one to do. Yeah well, but no. Apparently,
5: ho- hotel security aren't much chop and it's clear
3: that Obviously, jail security aren't much better. He worried. <laughs> the worried? Uh, oh. Brisbane, though, has caused a bit of congestion, hasn't it? Over, the, I mean, three weeks ago, we, of course, had the issue with the guys that were coming in from Brisbane to Darwin mm-hmm. due to what was believed to be a hot spot there with, uh, with something that went on with some uh, kindergarten or something, and then all of a sudden, two days later, they've dumped it. Now there's talk about it again. It's lack of communication that's just really upsetting everyone yeah. and getting people flustered
2: like everyone's making this up as they go, Shapex, isn't
3: it? <laughs> it? It sounds like it, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> but uh, Mark's right, though. We've, it is, it, we are feeling very NASCAR-y at the moment with uh, six races completed in two weeks uh, in the top end, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, now we get to do it again.
5: It feels a bit NASCAR-y. And, and in NASCAR, there's not much of a new cycle because mm. it's just review one race, we're bang, we're straight into the review next weekend. The next, yeah. it, it's sort of, it's a bizarre, and like, especially like, we're noticing it with their website. We're not bashing up many stories because it's just one race to the next. It's uh, really upset the whole news cycle for the thing. Hopefully the ratings keep going up. We've got another Channel 10 round this weekend, mm. don't we? So that uh, should be a good little uptick there after a – a solid outing there, even though it had everything going against it with the poor time slots last weekend. So uh, fingers crossed for a good showing. And a big time up there in Townsville. they got the Danny, uh, no, who is it, um, Jeff Horn and Tim Tzu. Yeah. Obviously watched the ad 4,000 times yeah. on the weekend. So that's happening Wednesday <laughs> good night. Good ad, though. So big time ad.
2: It's a cracking ad. Even if you don't like boxing, Fox Sports promo department, who haven't had much to do for the last six months, <laughs> have, have gone way over and above with that. It's awesome. I mean, in um,
3: regards to ads that are out there at the moment, there's that ad and then there's the NTI ad, which was voiced by Richard Gray oh, for this weekend in Townsville. Oh, wow. Very close second.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's right up there, I'm gonna tell you. Or oh, it just misses a shot of me looking emotively out over a boxing ring, or in this case a <laughs> racetrack. I'll work on that for the next one. But no, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this and and Mark touched on the T V ratings and we predicted last week that Darwin two would, would struggle compared to Darwin one because of the circumstances. It wasn't actually ever going to be on that date. It was up against the footy in the top end. There was an election going on. Um, But from a TV rating perspective, the races were earlier in the day and earlier in the day means less numbers, broadly speaking. Um, But the Darwin races on Fox were significantly up on the races on Fox a week before, which is terrific. So I'm really interested to see in tracking this, as we do on the racetalk.com with our Monday Ratings Watch column, um, what happens, and I'll be really keen to see if it builds and builds and builds over this four-week stretch, which is terrific. Um, what we have seen build and build and build, boys, just on a little tangent from supercars, is MotoGP. They've had three oh, races fantastic. in a row. They've gone back to back to back. It's in prime time on a Sunday night on free to Wear and Fox, and the last three weeks they've each had massive jumps up and it's been driven by a, a consistent time slot which supercars will have great social media interaction with all the antics that go on in MotoGP, gp so it builds that hype um so yeah i'm really interested and bloody tell. good I, racing well that too but I, I don't think there's much wrong with supercars product at the moment uh, either because certainly the sunday of last weekend was was entertaining motor racing so hopefully that continues I reckon just replay the, the Chas V Percat stuff just a couple of times this week and fire in the um, the Frosty VSVG a couple of times on socials. That'll
3: draw people in. That's the kind of stuff we want to promote. We uh, we spoke about it with Larco before, Mark, about the personalities coming back into the sport this year. Probably more so we've seen it than we have in, in the past. And that's all we really want, is that We just want, uh, you know, he's a shit bloke or we want something like that to come out. Uh, you just need it. We don't need a punch-up as such, but just a couple of words.
5: Uh, Nick Perkett's uh, been a punching bag and he's got pretty quick wit about him, so that's been good value. Uh, Lads, what do you think of the whole Barry Ryan tear-up there on the socials this last weekend? A bit of of who cares? Who cares?
3: I, I, I tend to agree with the doctor in that I thought it was poor form to mention that about something that was going on in regards to a team sponsor. I think teams do really tough in regards to getting sponsors and keeping them. So when you've got another team ragging out a a sponsor's event, I think that's probably a little bit of poor form. But otherwise, I I don't mind it. I don't mind if there's a little bit of bickering between the teams. It was an interesting
5: weekend because that uh, typically was supposed to be Erebus's big weekend and Mm -hmm. David Reynolds 14th overall at his best circuit. So uh, there's a bit going on there. I mean, obviously they're on the road. They've been away from home for a long time. Reynolds is missing his engineer, which has been well documented, but then you've got just down the road from them, Team 18, who have absolutely stepped up to the plate there last weekend, and they showed 888 what to do with their own machinery. Mm. Uh, The data sharing stuff between those 888 spec teams is pretty good. Like Those guys will know exactly what the big team are doing down the other end. I'm surprised after that first day on weekend that Triple Eight didn't step it up for the second weekend because they had all that data to go off of essentially six cars, because they've got the Team Sydney cars. I'm not not sure what they're contributing to the to the brains trust there, but anyway, even between Team Eighteen and Triple Eight, I really would have thought Triple Eight would have stepped up, especially with Jamie winning that first weekend, but it just didn't happen. They were second and third for the round, so they were up there, but Mm. they got absolutely smoked by Scotty. And that 17 mob really did bring their A game.
2: Yeah, Scotty's just in a different race at the moment in, in a very even playing field. The interesting thing about Erebus, Mark, and it's a good point, is that it's not just the fact they didn't perform in Darwin. It's that 18 months ago, they were probably the third team on balance, weren't they, behind yeah. Shelby Power Racing, Triple Eight, and it was Erebus. Reynolds Circle. was there just about every weekend in the mix, contending, pop up for a win, grab a pole. But not only are they now not the second-best Holden team behind Triple Eight, but they've been jumped by Team 18, is just said. Nick Perkett and Brad Jones is consistently in front of them, and Nick's been outstanding this year, as we've talked about. Tickford in front, but even kelly racing on one lap pace andre heimgartner has outqualified reynolds quite a few times this year and andre's doing a super job even though they've been battling and that's been well documented too so they've gone backwards in quite a chunk and you only have to drop two tenths in this field to go from being third or fourth to seventh or eighth and we saw 20 cars covered by 0.5 in qualifying i think the second quality session on sunday for the second race on sunday so It's hugely competitive, but they haven't taken that step forward that all these other teams have in this condensing of the supercars midfield outside of car 17. That's another factor to
5: think about when we're talking about the aero and whinging about the aero and it's hard to overtake. Did we ever consider that the whole field spread by half a second? So Mm. you're actually trying to overtake cars that are going the exact same speed as you, and that is hard. Yes. I mean, we don't talk about that. All we talk about is the aero stuff. The aero stuff, oh, it's too hard to overtake. Of course it's hard to overtake because the guy in front of you is going the same speed as you.
2: Mm. Yeah, hence the tyre thing, which is the whole reasoning behind this, mix, the, A, yeah. the mixed tyre and, and B, the soft which goes off. And, and we just heard from Scott Pye and he's pretty convinced, as everybody is, that it, it's going to be 25 laps out of the 39 or 40 at Townsville this weekend and you're done. Um, so there's going to be some people out on their feet in tyres, and that's what's going to promote the racing, but you know, Winterbottom had better tyre than Shane Van Gisbergen in that final race on the weekend, but not markedly so, found it hard to pass, but in the end got passed, and it was a really, really good fight, but it wasn't a free overtake either, which I think's been some people's criticism of the the mixed tyre stuff, in that it was just too easy and quote-unquote fake racing, which I don't support, but I think we
3: could, we're got to be careful too really to good. the extent that and people who were naysayers in regards to the mixed tire races and are saying that it's doing harm to the sport, you've yeah. still got to have this car speed to run with the tire. And Scotty Pye proved that car speed is just as effective as a tire on Saturday in the, on Sunday in that first race when he led for such a long period of time, on old tyres, guys who were running on new tyres behind him were only going at pretty much the same speed. They weren't going much faster than him. So car speed still becomes your number one asset. New tyres are just a massive benefit. Yeah, yeah. And, and you being on a
2: soft against others on a hard is fine, but it's only going to mask you having a shitbox for so many laps. Yeah, correct. <laughs> if your car's yes. no good, it's going to burn them up quicker than someone with a really good car who will look after them a little bit better, so...
5: So looking ahead to this weekend, she's all softs all the way. There's no mixed ties for these next two weekends coming up. It really has been a very, very happy hunting ground for Jamie Wincup up there. The goats had 10 wins out of the 23 races contested to date. Mm. There's only ever been four teams that have won in Townsville, triple eight, uh, Tickford, DGR team Penske and Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. And it's been triple eight most of the way. So it has been a, a really excellent track for those guys. Uh, McLaughlin does have the best average starting position up there but he hasn't oh, been on, on. polls <laughs> yeah no, right. but he hasn't been on poles since the first race of 2018 so he's missed the last three polls there in a row so he's going to have his work cut out for him to uh, come good obviously he had that coming together with Reynolds at the start of the Sunday race last year which uh, made that quite interesting and then they had rain as well which is something that we've never seen before in Townsville well it's
2: one thing I did want to bring up and we're talking about contenders and pretenders to the outright battle here. And and as it has been for a long time, it's been DJRTP and T8 right at the very front though. Triple eight's had a bit of a yo-yo this year, which has been odd. And we've seen the likes of Nick Perkett pop up. Tickford racing. They're an enigma wrapped in a quandary at the moment, aren't they? Because on times they have really, really good pace, but then they're anonymous and they had a better weekend last weekend than they did the first Darwin. No doubt about it, they found significant improvement and Cam Waters was good. But watching Tickford and watching WAU and the progress that they're making with Chas Mostert at WAU and and Adam DeBore, do you guys think that that, there's a missing link at Tickford at the moment? And Lee's been going well, Cam Waters has been going well, JLB chipping away in his first year with the team and Courtney getting up to speed. They're, they're missing the ace that is Chas Mostert, I feel, um, based on the performance that Chas is getting out of Walkinshaw and Ritty United, who's a team on the rise, with a rookie co-driver. Thoughts?
5: Uh, I mean, Waters was just as good as Chas last year, I reckon, mm. in a lot of cases. There wasn't much between those two to be Remember, the lead Remember,
2: We're pulling DeBore out of the mix as well, yep. and we all know how important the engineering side is. Oh, 100%. Um,
5: yeah, it's hard to say, but... I honestly don't know what to say there because it has been a It yeah, yeah. It is difficult. Um, and obviously Courtney's still coming up to speed with Brendan Hogan and mm-hmm. that was a very quick car before JC got into it and JC will have his input into how that's all working as well. So, I mean, don't forget that they had the new uh, shock this year too. So they've had to change a lot of the development focus to the anti-roll bars apparently. They keep you know, paratising paratizing away and they have to find different things to try and tune the car with and the anti-roll bars where it's at at the moment. So that's where a lot of the technology is and it seems to be very, very sensitive to the different tyres and the different circuits. And this weekend's going to pose a different drama again because it is the, bound, it is the roughest track on yeah. the whole schedule. Yep. It is absolutely rough as guts, even though it's 70% permanent track. Uh, you have where it crosses over there under that sweep around the back part of the circuit and it's real bumpy there. It's real bumpy over the curb. So it's a totally different challenge. Again, it's almost a bit like Adelaide, which was an absolute lifetime ago. So hmm. who's going to come out on top. I've got no idea. I'd say triple eight, but you would have said that last weekend too.
3: I was out of the first half of the season. If we can call it that uh, at this point in time, probably even a little bit further uh, on from there now, what have we seen in these first few months, these first few race meetings that we've run for the season that we know will change life for 2021? Define change life. in Well, for supercars, not as we know it anymore. So we had supercars oh, okay. as it yeah, was last I what year. You mean. Um, we've got it this year. What will change to make well, last year's not next year?
2: The, the 11 people per team thing will stay. In perpetuity, I'm sure. Maybe parachute a few more in for Bathus, but they've functioned fine with that many people. Now, no one's bananaed a car up yet, so we don't. We haven't done an all night rebuild to see how that works. But from a logistics and a cost point of view, taking a group of people away, one of the largest expenses this whole show is the travel and getting things across country, flights, accommodation, and all that. Now, obviously, they're burning through it this year because they're on the road, but. Minimising people on the cars, I think, will stay in perpetuity for a long time. And the two-day race meeting thing, especially at events that supercars promote themselves, I think will stick around. And it might get to a point where they just lump a whole heap of support categories on the Friday. Now, they've tried this before, but they've always snuck in an enduro driver session or a rookie practice or something like that, which defeats the purpose of having a two-day race meeting if you're still running a third day. Um, they've proved that they work. No problems at all. From a TV perspective, they work. They're still rating really well. For operationally, they've gone really nicely. So I, I think the two-day race meeting thing as well. we'll so,
3: so the argument there would be you'd have predominantly a support category day on the Friday, a mixed day on the Saturday, uh, and then predominantly nah, or, or, a supercar. Or, or,
2: or you won't run as many supports, Shavekshan. You just yeah, won't run Friday. Yeah. Um, either way, it's, it's the thing. Where supports are good is they underwrite the race meeting. So they, they yes. inject invest or inject capital into the event for the event's bottom line to make it work financially better. So there's always a balancing act between having enough support categories that help pay the bills for the weekend to giving the main game cars enough track time and more importantly, TV time to tick the boxes there. So there's an act, but, but two day race meetings will work. So a Winton, a Darwin, maybe Perth, Tassie, yes. Tassie, yeah. Those those ones will be, I would have thought, two-day race meetings moving forward. Mark? I, I like the idea of more two-day race
5: meetings. We waste so much time and effort and money doing yeah. Fridays, bash around for two 45-minute sessions to achieve absolutely nothing. Yeah. We're not achieving anything. No, there's, there's and, too much practice. And it has been hard to fill some of these support category slots around the place. We mm. have Hyundai XLs. I love Hyundai XLs, but really probably shouldn't be an undercard thing last year and it mm. was and you, you have trouble trying to fill the undercard at all these places let's just keep a quality who's mm. watching the tv on a friday anyway like that's a lot of expense i, I mean i'm sure it ticks a box for for a bank counter at fox Sports somewhere to say that oh yeah we've got 25,000 people watching on a friday that wouldn't normally be here but that's a lot of effort and expense to go to to get minimal return on on your investment there so I'm happy with more two day meetings. Run them back to back. Run an event at the Bend. Go next weekend to Malwa. Yeah.
3: Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fuel, definitely keep that. Looks like it'll probably stay out, I would have thought, too.
2: Well, if we never see a fuel drop talked about again, there'll be a lot of happy people. I yeah. think uh, that, that doesn't need to be a thing in the race anymore. Yeah, I, I would have thought you'd see you'd see more of what we've seen in the last few weeks with with the soft tyres. Limited tyre numbers, I think, maybe be another thing that sticks around because I think that's worked really well. So, all right, guys, you've got three races. You've got five sets of tyres. Good luck. Away you go. Rather than having the ability to throw new rubber on at every pit stop or a really good set of used tyres. But that fuel drop stuff, it just goes back to the days of when the thirsty
5: Nissans and Mercedes were yeah, out there running not around. not anymore. Yeah, had to paratise the field by having this silly fuel drop that was unnecessary. Yeah. So now that it's gone, all the cars are still running around out there in the same figures. So there's no disadvantage to anyone. And if you get rid of it entirely, then it's, it's still fair for everyone.
3: Hopefully in 2021. Guys, we'll wrap it up there. Always great to catch up with you.
2: Do we bother predicting who's going to win this weekend? Or do we just know it's going to be Scott McLaughlin marching on to his 51st, second and third race wins? Or Jamie Winkup.
5: Now I've got a really good meme lined up for a Scotty win, so I, I kind of hope that he does just <laughs> to save the meme. Um.
3: All right, boys, uh, we'll do it all again next week, and it will be the three of us again because it's not Dale's week next week, so he can get Scott. <laughs> he'll be,
2: he'll he probably be wait. cooking or looking after I Who knows? Changing diapers. <laughs> One wonders. Oh, that's and, me.
3: Yeah. Oh, he said sorry. <laughs> I get all his parents confused.
2: <laughs> Thanks, right, boys. Catch you next
3: week, boys. Ciao. And we'll See catch ya. you next week as well. Thanks for joining us right here. On the grid.
0: This program is a Radio Show Limited production.
1: Tell your friends there's more at RadioLemon.com.